Well, a couple times in my life, I found myself in a place where I didn't have any family or friends. Um, one of those times was India. After me and Whitney got married, um, we finished our, our last semester of college, and we uh, served with the International Mission Board, and we served two years in India. And when we got there, uh, we were one of the only white people in that whole entire country, and we felt like very isolated and very alone. We didn't know anybody. Um, there's literally a billion more people in that country than there are in this country, and, and we just felt very, very alone. Another time we felt very alone is when we moved to Louisville, um, or Louisville, for those of you who are not from, uh, not from Louisville, um, where the seminary is. I'm not from there either, but... Um, we moved there, and again, we moved there. We didn't know anybody. We had no family or friends, but we moved there to go to seminary. And that feeling of isolation, that feeling of not having anybody to help you with anything, not having mom and dad there, not having a friend, not having anybody that would be able to come and pick you up off the side of the road, that, that feeling of isolation and loneliness does not feel good, does it? Um, you've probably found yourself in one of those places before where you've, you've entered a place, you've walked in, you didn't know anybody, and you didn't, feel, uh, you didn't feel like you had any friends, that's not a good feeling. And a lot of times, that feeling happens when somebody visits a church, right? Next week, when we have Bring a Friend to Church Day, uh, we're hopefully going to have lots and lots of people here with us that aren't normally here with us. Um, we're going to be visitors for our church, and for a lot of them, it's going to feel like they have gone to the other side of the world and they feel like they're in India like me and Whitney did. They don't know anybody. They don't feel like they fit in with anybody. It might not feel good for them at first. So this morning we're going to talk about hospitality, the word hospitality and how the Bible uses that word um, and calls us to be hospitable toward other people. So in today's sermon, we're going to first look at hospitality in the Bible, um, the shape of that in the Bible, and how hospitality uh, is a characteristic of God in the Bible. And then we're going to look at two spheres of uh, our life where we can apply hospitality to our lives. All right, so we're going to look at hospitality in the Bible, then we're going to look at two spheres where we can apply hospitality. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, we come before you. I just want to thank you. That you're a God who welcomes the outsider, who takes care of the, uh, the foreigner, the alien. God, we thank you that when we were lost and far from you, you brought us near by the blood of Christ. And God, we pray that as we seek to live out our Christian lives, God, I pray that um, hospitality would be uh, an attribute that we seek to embody, that we seek to show to other people. Because we've been shown hospitality from you. God, we ask that you would speak to us over the next few moments. We pray that you would help us to understand your word, that we might live lives that glorify you. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, as we think about hospitality in the Bible, the New Testament word for hospitality is actually a compound word. It's two words smushed together. It's love of and then outsiders. Love of outsiders. That's the word in Greek that the New Testament uses. Uses. So hospitality is the love of somebody outside. So what do we mean by an outsider? Well, the strictest, um, uh, closest meaning for that would be somebody that's not from your house, right? Um, If you think of being hospitable, you're being kind and loving towards somebody who's not from your home. 
not from within your house. But outsider can look like a lot of different things to us, right? It can be somebody who obviously is not from our home, but somebody who's different than us, who doesn't have the same beliefs as us, doesn't have the same culture as us, doesn't speak the same language as us, doesn't have the same food preferences as us, doesn't watch the same sports as us, um, has different political views than we do. Um, That's what an outsider would be to us. And as we look at the Bible, we see that the Bible calls us to be kind to the outsider, kind to the person who's not like us. We find uh, the hospitality hospitality, uh, at the very beginning of the Bible in God himself. God, or hospitality, is a character of God. Have you noticed what God does in the very beginning of the Bible? The triune God, the God who's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who needs nothing, he's in perfect harmony with himself, he's not lacking anything or needing anything, he has everything he could ever need, he chooses to create humanity and to bring them into relationship with him. He makes a a home for them in the Garden of Eden. He places them there that he might be in relationship with them and near them. He makes things comfortable and nice for them. He made it possible for us to have a relationship with him. God, who needs nothing, who's never been inconvenienced by anything, chooses to bring us into existence and show us hospitality, to be kind to us. That is a char- Hospitality is a characteristic of God, a love for the outsider. But then we go on and we see that this idea of hospitality is not just found in God himself, but he calls us to embody that. Remember, from the first pages, we're told we are made in God's image. That means we should look like him and act like him and do the things that he does. So what does he do? He calls us to be hospitable. The, think of the Israelites. When they were um, taken as um, 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 prisoners in Egypt, they were slaves there, and God eventually freed them and brought them into the promised land, into a place where they could uh, have a place of their own. And what did God say to them? He said, be kind to the sojourner, to the person who's among you, who's not like you. Why? Because you once were outsiders as well. Be kind to the sojourner because you were once sojourners in Egypt. That's written into God's law that he gave to the Israelites. They were not supposed to be this isolated group of people that kept everyone out. They were meant to be people who were welcoming to the sojourner passing through their land. So we see this concept of hospitality in God and in God's people in the Old Testament. And also we see this idea of hospitality in God's people in the New Testament as well. We see this, uh, this picture of hospitality. First and foremost, we see hospitality made known in Christ himself. What does Ephesians 2 tell us about Jesus or about us and our relationship with Christ? It says, those who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Each and every single one of us was an outsider in relation to God. We had sinned and we had separated ourselves from him. We didn't want anything to do with him. As a matter of fact, we rebelled against him. Uh, every, uh, every one of our lives is a picture of choosing to be an outsider and separating ourselves from God. Not only were we not like God, we were actually opposed to God. And in that moment, when we were most rebellious against God, when we had the least in common with him, when we were as far as we possibly could be at that moment, Romans 5 tells us, 
while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us in the moment when we were deepest in our sin. That's when Jesus died for us. Not when we made some kind of verbal commitment to change our lives. Not when we said, hey, God, we're going to try really hard. Will you please die for us? No, while we were sinners, when we were sinning, that's when Christ died for us. And he did that, as the Bible says, to bring us near. We're brought near to God through the blood of Christ. And then what does God give us as a picture of our nearness to him? What do we do regularly at our church that would remind us that Jesus has died for us and brought us near? We have a little meal, don't we? The the Lord's Supper was given to us first and foremost to commemorate the fact that Jesus' body was broken for us, that his blood was shed for us, right? But it's also the picture of a meal. Like the, the way that God reminds us that Jesus died for us is to say, hey, you get to sit down at the table with the Lord. You get to enter his house, take your shoes off at the door, slide your knees under his table and enjoy a meal with him. What better picture is there of of being hospitable than giving somebody a meal, right? You can probably think of the times in your lives when you felt most loved by by somebody. It's when they maybe invited you to their house and said, hey, come have a meal with us. Let us provide some food for you. Come and hang out with us and spend time with us. Break bread with us. And that's the picture that is given to us in the New Testament of what our relationship with Christ looks like. We get to have a family meal with him. Not only is hospitality pictured in the in the um in the lord's supper hospitality is even a requirement for church leadership in in the places where it talks about the requirements for a pastor and a deacon the requirements say that that man must be hospitable he must be show hospitality to outsiders how many of us if we were thinking hey let's look at the requirements for an upcoming pastor if you were on a search committee for a pastor and you look through all of his credentials you would say, okay, does he have seminary training? Okay, check. Um, does he have preaching experience? Okay, check. How many of us would go through that whole list and not even think to say, does he have a love for outsiders? Does he have hospitality? That's probably not a, a common quality in a church leader that you might think of. But that's something that God requires of his leaders in his church and thereby his, the, the people who are in the church as well. That's how important hospitality is to the Lord. <clears throat> He commands it of us. He commemorates it um, in the Lord's Supper. And it's something that we should embody is hospitality. Let's look at a picture of what I think hospitality might look like for a believer. So if you have your Bible, turn in, the, turn in your Bible to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to see a picture of the Apostle Paul. Now the Apostle Paul, we could say he's the first Christian missionary. He's the first guy that was tasked with taking the gospel and taking it to the Gentiles. So often we look to, to, to Paul as an example of how we should live the Christian life. Paul even says, um, follow me as I follow Christ. So he gives us a good example of what it looks like to reach other people. Now, you might not um, put hospitality and evangelism into the same same sentence, but we, I think in the Bible we have those two concepts mingled together, evangelism and hospitality. Let's look at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Uh, Brother Dennis read this for us earlier, but we're going to read it again and walk through it a little bit. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, picking up in verse 19. 
For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. So let's pause there. Paul, in this section in 1 Corinthians, is talking about how he has rights as an apostle. Um, He has rights to uh, live his life in a certain way. But he's saying, I'm not going to take advantage of those rights. I'm going to set them aside so that I might reach more people. That's what he says. I'm free from all. Like He's free from certain uh, rules and regulations, but I make myself a servant to everybody. I serve all that I, might, uh, that I might win more of them. Pick it up again in verse 20. He says, To the Jew I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but, un- the, but under the law of Christ that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing. So Paul speaks of this laying aside of his own preferences and becoming like other people so that he might win them for Christ, so that he might point them to Jesus. He says there at the end, um, I do this for the sake of the gospel that I, that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul has found a treasure, and instead of keeping it for himself, he becomes all things to all men so that they can partake of that treasure as well, so that they can share in the riches of this message. He becomes like them so that they can share in it with him. Hospitality, I think, looks a lot like that. It's taking your life and and allowing it to be mixed with other people's lives. It's saying, let's do life together. Let's experience life together. Let's share in life so that we can both experience this blessing of the gospel. Now, that's a difficult thing to do. I, I hear those words coming out of my mouth, and I'm thinking, man, that is a hard thing to do, to let your life be mixed with other people's lives. Because you know what that ends up requiring of you? It, re- it requires us to bear one another's burdens. It requires you to make other people's problems your problems. And most of you are probably thinking, I got enough problems on my own. I don't need somebody else's problems to deal with. But that's the nature of hospitality. It's saying, you're hungry. Let me make your hunger my priority. Come into my home and eat my food. Right? It's saying, I want to make you part of this group. <clears throat> So hospitality is hard. One of the reasons is it requires selflessness. It requires selflessness. There's things and preferences you might have. Um, you might say, you know what? I want my life to look a certain way. I want my, my house to be clean and having somebody over, um, being hospitable to them makes your house dirty, right? So you have to lay aside that preference. Maybe you have to say, you know what? Normally I do. I would rather eat burgers, but I know this person coming over to my house They like pasta, so we're going to make pasta, even though I don't even like pasta. You're laying aside some of your preferences and desires so that you can meet people where they are, become more like them, and point them to Christ. Hospitality requires selflessness. Also, hospitality requires vulnerability. Because if you're going to let somebody into your life, you're going to let them see the tough parts of your life. Maybe the the places where you are... um, Less comfortable with them seeing. 
We'll talk about that again here in a little bit. Hospitality can also be costly as you let people into your life that maybe other people might not think are too savory. That's going to cost you. There's a book by a lady uh, named Rosaria Butterfield. Uh, it's called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. In that book, she talks about how she and her husband, who's a pastor at a Presbyterian church, uh, they were trying to live out hospitality in their neighborhood. Um, so they invited their, their neighbor, Hank, over to their house. Hank wasn't exactly the, the neighborhood's favorite person. There was something off and weird about him. Some of the neighbors had mentioned to Rosaria and her husband, hey, something's weird about Hank, but they let Hank into their lives. Um, their kids got to know um, Hank's dog, and they loved to play with his dog. They would have him over for dinner every once in a while, but they said something weird about Hank would happen. Sometimes Hank would just go MIA. You'd never see him. You knew he was at his house because his trash can would go back and forth once a week, but he would just go into this mode of like not talking to anybody. Well, one day, there's a commotion across the street at Hank's house. Cops pull up, and they bust Hank, and come to find out, Hank was running a meth lab in his house across the street. And as you can imagine, a lot of the neighbors were upset that Rosaria and her husband had invested in Hank a lot. See, we told you that guy was not the guy to hang out with. Well, they went on. They continued to have this relationship with Hank even after he went to jail. Um, they actually took in his dog and took care of him. They continued to love Hank even though it made them unpopular with their neighbors. It cost them some social credit. But God doesn't tell us, hey, only love the people who are nice and safe. Only love the people who are clean. Only love the people who have money. Only love the people who look like you and act like you and think like you. God doesn't tell us that. He says, love the outsider, the person that other people don't want to love. Hospitality is costly. Hospitality is also difficult because it's actually more of a lifestyle than an event. That's the difference between entertaining somebody and being a hospitable person, right? Entertaining, that's like that, that thing where you do, hey, we're going to have like our, the, the family uh, Thanksgiving over at our house. It's going to be like one day of the year. I have to just put on a show there, get the house clean that one time, make the food that one time, and then it's over, right? That's entertaining somebody. <clears throat> Hospitality, rather, is a whole lifestyle, it's a whole lifestyle. It's saying at any moment of the, t uh, of the day, um, at any given time, I have these moments of spontaneous and random hospitality. It's not about showing that you're perfect, right? It's kind of what entertaining is, right? When you entertain somebody, you want to kind of make your house perfect for them. Hospitality is not about showing your perfection. It's about showing your affection. It's about showing people that you love them. And if you take down that lifestyle, that lifestyle of being hospitable and showing hospitality, you go from showing hospitality to doing evangelism. Hospitality and evangelism go hand in hand together. Sharing Christ with people, a lot of times, looks like sharing life with those people, inviting them in. Most people aren't going to respond to that kind of old school street witnessing, go stand on the street corner and talk to people. Maybe they will, but most people are probably going to respond to you a lot better if they're the people in your circle and you say, hey, come spend time with us. We're having a cookout. Come down to the house, bring a long chair, uh, and we'll feed you. And then talk about Jesus while you're there. So if your hospitality is going to be a lifestyle, what you need to do is make sure that your life, the life that you live, is constantly pointing to Jesus. Constantly pointing to Jesus. If it's weird for your family 
to talk about Jesus at your house, it's going to be just as weird if you talk about Jesus with the neighbor at your house when they're over, right? But if it's just a constant thing, like we pray every time before our meal. So praying before a meal is not weird. We read the Bible each night with our kids. So reading the Bible with our neighbor that's over for dinner, that wouldn't be weird because this is just the way we do life. Make your life pointing to Christ all the time and then invite people into it. It, 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 it's your life is already working in that. It's already Christ shaped. It's already cross shaped. It's already doing that. And you're just inviting people into it. So that's what hospitality looks like in the Bible. It's this idea of inviting in the outsider saying, hey, we want you to come in here and be like us um, and have the same riches and share in the same glory that we do in Christ. But what does that look like in our homes? What does it look like in our church? So number two, hospitality in our homes. How can you be more hospitable with your home or with your life? One thing you can do is to start small. Start small. Um, it doesn't, if you're going to be hospitable towards somebody, it doesn't have to be ultra elaborate. It doesn't have to be um, super spendy. Really, just having somebody over to your home or inviting them into your life really just takes um, a cup of cold water and a box of crackers. Showing that to somebody uh, would make them feel at home. When, we, when Whitney and I lived in India, I, there's an, Indian people are some of the most hospitable people. They don't have a lot of money. So whenever you go to their house, oftentimes they're literally just opening like a bag of crackers, giving it to you, and making some tea, which that tea is spot on. But it's usually a little bitty glass. It doesn't take that much. But when they would do that, Whitney and I would feel very at home. So for you to be hospitable with people in your life, it doesn't take a lot. Start simple or start small and keep it simple. Also, don't worry about yourself when you're trying to be hospitable. Here's what I mean by that. You can, there's things in your life that can keep you from being hospitable. Some of those things might be, um, you might be afraid to say, hey, I'm afraid to have somebody over to our house because it's not perfectly clean. While you don't need to invite them into a pigsty, it's also okay if your house isn't perfect. If there's a few dishes in the sink, it's okay. If there's some toys out in the living room, that's okay. Um, invite them over. They're, they'll, they'll be much more happy that you invited them than having a perfect house for them to walk into. Also, think about this. The location of your hospitality isn't as important as, it, as intention. If you're like, I'm super uncomfortable with having somebody come over to my house, that's okay. Because hospitality is not about inviting them necessarily into your home, but into your life. So... Say, hey, let's meet up at the park and let's go have uh, lunch together there. Have a play date with your kids. Schedule that. Maybe you invite them to a ball game together. Um, go attend something together. Hospitality doesn't mean that you're inviting them into your home, but just that you're inviting them into your life. I'll tell you a story about David and Laura Dawkins. Um, they were a couple of missionaries that were serving in the same city as us when we lived in India. And they're the ones that really introduced me the first time to and gave me a picture of hospitality. David and Laura were about 10 years older than us. They were much uh, well into life. They had kids. They had, they had finished their schooling. They were, had been in the, on the field in India for a little bit longer than us. Um, so they were uh, some people that we could look up to. And they would simply invite us over to their house. They would invite us over to their house and we would play with their kids in the floor um, while Laura was finishing dinner. David would... Um, say, hey, a lot of times I take the kids down to the park at our apartment place, so I'd go with him and play with his kids and him at the park while uh, Whitney and Laura would hang out back at the apartment. They would show us how they interacted with their kids. They never said, hey, Tim, this is how I parent my children. 
But you know what? I still I saw a lot of things David would do with his boys. And I try to do those same things today because I saw how awesome uh, David interacted with his boys. I try to do that same thing. And Whitney, um, she, she loved to bake before, but after meeting Laura, she really got into baking. And if you know my wife, she loves to bake cookies or make anything, have some kind of dessert. She loves to do that. And one of the reasons she does is because she saw Laura do that a lot. All Laura and David did was invite us into their house. They saw that we had a need, that we were alone in a big city of millions and millions of people. They saw that we had a need. They included us in their lives and they showed us a picture of Christ. That's all they did. They just invited us in to do the very things that they were already doing. You can do that as well in your life. But what does this look like for our church? What does it look like for our church? As we said, a church can be a scary place to step into, right? When people are coming in, they don't know what you're going to think of them. They don't know what your beliefs are. You don't know their history with church. It can be a scary place to walk into. So what can we do as, as people, as, as Christians, as, as people at the First Baptist Church, what can we do to say, hey, how can we make our church a, a, a more hospitable place on a regular basis? What can we do to make our church hospitable? One thing is making sure that when people come to visit us, we're quick to let them know that we're glad they're here. Um, setting aside time in our, in our uh, before church to meet them. So one thing we might try to do, right, as, as hosts of the church is be on time, right? It helps us to be on time to church so that we, we, we can invite and greet people um, before they come. So that's one way we might make our church more inviting. Another way we might do that is when we um, invite somebody to come to church with us, like we talked about last week, sit with them. Um, sit with them, come and sit down with them and spend that time together in the church service with them. Talk to them about, um, ask them if they have any questions about the church. Um, explain some of the weird things that we do. Uh, if there are any kind of weird things that stand out, say, this is why this happened during the service. Just wanted to let you know that. Um, talk to them about um, the things that happen at our church. Make them feel comfortable. Invite them to ask you questions about the things that go on here so that can make the church more hospitable to them. Because we're thinking of specifically next week is we're saying, hey, we want to invite people in. We want to be hospitable with them. How can we continue to do that and be people who are showing other people what Christ looks like and inviting them in? I want to share one more example with you. When, we, when Whitney and I were in Louisville, <clears throat> we were church shopping. And, I, and that's the only time in my life I've ever church shopped. I've never needed to look for a church because mainly most of my life I've gone to church here. Um, so the one time in my life, Whitney and I were living in Louisville, and it was like, um, you ever had an option overload where there's just too many options? You're like having trouble making a good choice. That's what it was like in Louisville. It's a big city. It's a seminary town. There's lots of um, good, solid churches to go to. And we had visited several churches, and there was really nothing to complain about at any church we went to. We'd go to a church, and they were... Uh, the, the place was clean, it was updated, modernized, the preaching was good, the music was fine. Um, they uh, had all the things that you might want in a church. But one church stuck out to us, and it was Emmanuel Baptist Church. Because we went there, and just like everybody else, they had a greeting team that said, Hey, glad to have you. Um, but this young lady named Haley asked us, hey, How long have you gone to Emmanuel? And we said, Well, this is our first time. Um, how long have you gone to Emmanuel was the way that the greeters would ask because they didn't want to, to assume that you hadn't been there before. So she started to talk to us 
and gathered a little bit of information with us, and then we went on just like every other greeter had ever done. But then, after we sat down, the worship service started, Haley came up to us in the middle of the service and said, hey, can I sit with you guys? So she sat down next to Whitney, and we just praised the Lord together with her. We listened to the sermon together. Then afterwards, she said, hey, um, this Thursday, we have community group. Would you want to come to that? That was the first time we went to all these good, nice, wonderful churches um, that whole time in Louisville. But that one, that was the first time somebody had said, hey, come to our community group. Come spend time with us outside of church. Come, be, come do life a little bit with us. And that stood out. Every other church had fine preaching, fine music, all that good stuff. But the thing that stood out to us out of amongst all those good churches was relationship. Relationship. She came and sat with us. She talked to us and she said, hey, come do life with us this Thursday. Told us time and place, a very specific way. It wasn't like, hey, let's grab lunch sometime. It was like, no, here, come to this meeting. Here's how you can come and and hang out. So we'll introduce you to the people. And we went and God used that church to impact my life in, in, in a massive way. That's the outside of this church. That's the biggest. Uh, that's the church that has the most impact on my life. Simply because of that one relational step that, that Haley took that morning to go sit by somebody she'd never met, to sit by people she didn't know. Uh, who knows? We could have been weirdos for all she, she knew. But she came. She sat with us. She talked to us and said, hey, come join us for a little bit of life on Thursday night. I'm praying that our church can be a church that's hospitable to other people that would say, hey, come in, be among us, do life with us. I make an emphasis on that. Um, As as I said, as we cast that vision of becoming more like Jesus together and our priorities being word, community, and mission, right smack dab in the middle there is community. And that's the idea that, hey, we want to do life together. And as we have folks come into... um, Come into our church next week. Maybe they're parents of some of the students that come to our ministry. Maybe they're some of your friends from work. Maybe they're um, your family members. Whoever it is, we want to make sure that next week we're saying to them, hey, we love you. We are glad you're here. We want you to be a part of us. Come, have dinner with us. Have lunch with us. Enjoy this meal. So I pray that we would be a people that would embody what it means to be hospitable because that's, what, that's how God is. God is hospitable. We have a God who looked out at us when we were far from him and reached into darkness, reached into the outside and pulled us in so that we might be with him. May we be a people who live that out as well. Let's pray.